365 football is on our minds, ladies and gentlemen. Today on the Two Halves and Four Quarters podcast, knee-jerk reactions from the Prem as the league restarts, a little bit of drama in France with a little hint of a title race, and fans in stadiums or less so. Much like stadiums right now, we are not at full capacity. Unfortunately, Carl cannot be here today. But returning to the pod after a very short absence is Mr. Jonathan Kenworthy. Good evening, sir. How are we? Very well, mate. Very glad to have you back. I mean, do you want to fill the listeners in on what you've been you know, doing with your time? It's good to be back, first of all. Um, I've done the hard work and um, I, uh, I had a baby with my wife. Um, <clears throat> little boy, Nathaniel. Um, it's, uh, it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> Lack of sleep. Um, one of the reasons why I've been absent for the last three to four weeks, four weeks I think now, um, is because I've been changing diapers and feeding at God knows what time in the, uh, in the night. So, <laughs> Um, glad to be back. Um, obviously, we've had football to help us and help me through. Uh... <laughs> not your wife. <laughs> Absolutely not. So, yeah, good to be. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I mean, dare I say, it, a lot has happened since our last pod. Uh, we took a very brief sabbatical with uh, sort of our hectic, you know, lives at the moment. Messi is predictably now staying at Barcelona in the news that maybe no one expected. Or uh... I fully expected it. I called it a long time ago. It was almost, and I think it was almost like a Rooney deal when he was like he said a couple of times when he was at Man United, "I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving." And although there's no new contract up on the table for Messi, it was almost like a case of trying to build his image again. Um... <clears throat> Don't you think? Well, a little bit, yeah. I mean, let's face it, it's just an excuse to go to Barcelona on a team bonding trip, you know. Agreed, agreed. Get cool. that get that in the tax returns. Have done. <laughs> tax returns of only expenses. <laughs> um have done Barcelona, so I'd need to I'd need to sort of spin in maybe an Espanol game whilst we're there as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll grab the little one. We'll go on a road trip, hangover-esque, I think. <laughs> shall we Shall we dive straight in? Uh, well, the, the best place to start is, poss- well, as it not, I say possibly, nay, it was the game of the weekend. We're going to start uh, with, with the Liverpool game at Anfield. Crazy, crazy game. Uh, Mo, Slager, Mo Slager, interesting. Mo Salah bagged an early pin, uh, early pen, and it looked like it was going to be a rout. But Leeds, you know, to their credit, fought back in a in what was a toe to toe game, but ended in a four three win to the reigning champions. So I guess the I, the I guess the first question is not so much about how Liverpool played, but what did you make of Leeds? Uh, well, first I thought Mo Salah was really good. Um, <laughs> Uh, but Leeds I knew they were going to be competitive when they came to the league I didn't expect them to to fall straight back down Um, although that being said I I I was impressed with them against Liverpool but 
I don't think they were as good as people are making out to be. Liverpool were dreadful at the back. Um, Leeds were clinical. I think they had three shots on target and scored three goals. Liverpool had 25 shots in total, I think. Scored four. Um, so although I was impressed with Leeds and their um, and, and the way they played the game, um, but ultimately I, I still I, I still think they'll have enough to stay up. But I wasn't as as impressed as I, I think everyone else was, and I I don't think I'm being biased in my judgment. Um, oh, not at all. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing. I I, w- I would be inclined to agree with you here. I do wonder how that you know as much as they did it for 46 games, there was a large break. You know, a big three-month break in that 46-match calendar for them yeah. last season. And it's against a very di- different calibre opposition. And I do wonder with that style of play, they're going to end up getting picked off by perhaps less gun-ho and more pragmatic teams. But, yeah, I, I, guess, I guess time will tell. You know, Leeds Twitter will no, no doubt erupt. Well, no doubt erupted. It, nay, it did erupt. With um with optimism and uh, all the rest of it, so let them be our guide. I thought up until about two two, I think it was. I thought it was a very very even game, and then 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 it really changed. Um, but the I, I still think teams will be very complimentary to Leeds. I still think if people go to Ellen Road, there will be a lot of teams that will back off and defend. Um, Anyone that probably finished in the bottom half of the league last year, um, up to probably and including Burnley, uh, I I think would probably go to Leeds and probably back off a little bit and play a a different style of play. And I think even even when Leeds go away, I mean, we saw that, that they were always ready to counter. Um, I think... I think Leeds will have more than enough. I think Leeds will probably finish lower mid-table, sort of 12-13. I literally can't wait to lose 1-0 and have 60% of the possession. That definitely feels like the, the most brightened thing that could possibly happen in this scenario. Bring yeah, it on. Well, especially as I watched a bit of the game against um, Chelsea Brighton. I know we're moving on to it in a little bit, but in terms of Brighton, I mean, they, they were carrying the game for quite a bit at the, the start of the second half. And uh, just before they scored their equaliser, it was all Brighton. That's uh, that's that's be that's uh, potable for you. <laughs> but going back, going back slightly a little bit, I mean, um, I, I guess it's the second season in a row where Liverpool have kind of had tricky opposition in their opening game where they haven't necessarily known what to expect. Now, I suppose the difference where they played Norwich last season is that Norwich came back into the game and then Liverpool, you know, ran them over, effectively, with sheer sheer force and, and talent on the pitch. This game was a little bit different. You know, do you think that they, you know, I think they're going to win the title this season, personally. I think they're going to go back-to-back. And... Yeah, but they have, they certainly have to up their game if it's gonna if, if they're gonna mount a challenge because they can't rely on scoring more than yeah you know, that, that kind of scoring more than new attitude against against bigger and better opposition. I don't know who's going to win the league this year. It's very very hard to tell. Um, 
do can Liverpool have the same seasons they did last year? I don't think so. I think a lot of teams will have figured them out. Uh, and I know we probably said that uh, during during last year that a lot of teams will figure out how to play them, but they're just steamrolling everyone. I think well, it goes it goes without saying that for Liverpool to get another ninety plus total, that would make them the first team in Premier League history to do that. No one has gone. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, so, Man City did what one hundred and ninety eight, I think, didn't they? Yeah, but then obviously it was eighty whatever it was last season. So the point being is the standard, the consistent standard, is almost impossible to to adhere to. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think I think for any of the top teams now, I, I would say that we're probably looking at an under ninety, under ninety point season, because you know they're knackered. You know they haven't had much of a break. Obviously, City have had a slightly longer break than yeah. Liverpool because of their Champions League participation. You know, who knows whether that makes a difference. You have a league now where we have teams such as Chelsea, such as United, such as Arsenal. Arsenal and great football, didn't they? Um, such as Tottenham, who were looking at signing a couple of really good players. Ultimately, all of these teams in and around the sort of top six or the top six are all looking at a strengthening. And Liverpool have not strengthened. Um, I mean, they've signed, what, a Greek left-back? <laughs> but the question is, I think the point being is, they, they're an inherently young team anyway. You know, buying for buying's sake isn't necessarily a barometer for, you know, isn't, doesn't set a bar for success. It might increase competition within the squad. And in, in, in that respect, you could argue it freshens it up. But, you know, they're bringing through some of their academy players, you know, Nico Williams, you, you would imagine will be pushing in certain games at least for yeah. Curtis Jones, yeah, oh. and yeah, to, to rise to rise up when and, and to fill the gaps in the squad as and when needs be. So I, I think I think you know, sign City have a lot more work to do or had a lot more work to do to make them competitive. Remains to be seen whether it's a coaching deficit or a player deficit. We we shall see. But I, I, yeah, Liverpool, Liverpool are fine as far as, far as I'm concerned. Absolutely, and uh, it'd be interesting to see how they. Um, I mean, they for sure. I mean, they, they were they were good in attack, but they were terrible at the back. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether their nerves are settled a little bit in their next game, um, <laughs> and whether those defensive frailties have gone a little bit. And we talk about defensive frailties in terms of. We, we we spoke about it a lot during COVID when there was no fans and um, they see there seems to be uh, a few more defensive frailties coming back in already. Well, speaking of defensive frailties, let's let's move on. Let's let's hit up the the Brighton Chelsea game, which obviously, as you'd expect, well, I say as you'd expect, the the, the you know this game, the, the friendly that was played two weeks ago. Uh, with fans ended up in a disappointing one-one draw. I guess this game is a little bit more worthy of discussion. Yeah, but we we Brighton controlled the game for large spells before conceding um, and, and losing three-one in a defeat against Lampard's men. With injury concerns to debutants Leeds United's Ben White and Adam Lalana. I mean, I think this, I think the conversation here is less about Brighton and the problems on for us. And it's more about whether Chelsea are title contenders 
I mean, in, in some respects, they ground out the result on Monday night. Brighton with a better team for, well, much of the game, as, as you rightfully alluded to earlier. Brighton controlled, well, much like last season, most of last season, we controlled 50% of the games we played and still lost them. But I mean, you know, going back to Chelsea, what did you think? They're, well, I mean, they're, they're doing the right things. They're playing poorly and winning. And I, I wouldn't say necessarily play, I wouldn't necessarily say actually that they play poorly. Um, I just think that Brighton will probably be the better team and most definitely the better team will control the game. But ultimately, it's, it's the sign of a very good team. If you're, if you're not the better team and you're not managed to squeeze out a 3 1 win, I think that's only positive. Um, Timo Werner obviously um, got some of the action with the uh, with the penalty. Um, Kai Havertz looked dangerous. Um, I like the look of him already. I think he's going to be a great signing. Kepa again, question marks over mm. his his ability. Uh, they're now looking at signing the rain goalkeeper, which uh, I'm a bit gutted about. Liberties. Absolute liberties. For 30 million, though. Uh, 20 to 30 million, they're saying. Plus Tomori going on loan the other way. Yeah. Well, I would, I would say this, actually. You, you made sure those Chelsea players, the best player on the pitch was arguably an ex-Chelsea player. An ex-Chelsea player. Lapti was absolutely superb once again. Yeah. He is incredibly exciting to watch. Now, for a man who can't header, this is the interesting thing, um, particularly in the first half, Tina Werner was clearly sitting out on the left-hand side on targeting Lapti when the ball was being pinged up long because obviously Lapti's not even close to six foot. So yeah. every single time he's losing that battle. I do actually wonder whether this is something that is going to be exploited by other teams, not just not just Chelsea. You know, well, true is, is, isn't the strongest in the air, is he? I don't want to compare Lamptey to to Trent, but <coughs> sorry, but ultimately that they they find a way to cover that. Whether it's a centre half covering, whether it's a, a centre mid or a defensive midfielder covering. Well, they're incomparable. One is arguably the most exciting right back in world football. And the other one plays at Liverpool. <laughs> Very good. I like it. <laughs> no, but there are there are obviously I mean, there are obvious frailties in that Brighton uh, Brighton team. Graham Potter was saying this this week that we're looking that Brighton are looking for a a silver bullet is how he's been describing it, which is so some kind of up top then. I mean, it's, it's either a sex toy or it's code for a striker. So, um, I, 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 we're being linked with Ryan Brewster here, and I do kind of, I, I don't know whether that's the, I don't know whether he's the answer. You know, he played all right last season for Swansea. I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's, it's an impossible situation when you're down when you're down in the bottom half of the the Premier League. Where, what do you need? What do we need? Yeah, I mean, uh, Malpe was playing a lot on the right against Chelsea, from what I can see. Um, I mean, do they need a very, very sort of big, tall striker to take the ball down and sort of play your handbash and, and, and Malpe off each other? Or do they need someone literally running up through the middle? And... Well, we, well, in general, we are quite a small team. And I think that is the... 
you know, centre-backs aside, and Dan Byrne is an absolute monster of a human being, we are, we, are, we are a very small team, you know, particularly going forward, which immediately is obviously, it must be something that the, the coaches and, you know, looking for the style of play, whereby you're sort of playing it along the ground and, and quick passing and, and very little in the air. The trouble is, is that most of our goals come from set plays. So if you're, you know, a percentages man, you know, you've got a, a striker who's 5'8", who's 5'9", five, five, he's not going to be getting those those goals in that situation. Yeah. We got rid of Shane Duffy to to Celtic, which is a dream move for him and he scored in his debut. Really, really pleased for him. But he he is that threat. He, yeah, if you, well, I mean, you, Dunk, Mr. Sister, we could have been 2-0 up in the first 20 minutes and dunk, one of those was a Dunk missed oh. header at the, yeah. at, the, at the far post. You know, so those are the chances that we need to, I, I guess, you know, in order to both stay up and progress as a team, needs to happen. Otherwise, I'm just going to get a load of shit from, from Leeds fans and a Leeds fan in particular about the fact that Leeds finished above us. I don't really want that, to be honest. I, I'm afraid that I think you will have that. I don't, I don't need that stressor in my life, JK. I need... As much as I hate to say it, I mean, it kills me to see <laughs> that Leeds will not get defeated, but um, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, we'll we, we can move on. Um, well, we can we, we can move on to to maybe the the biggest news of the week so far, apart from from uh, it came out Chelsea's last... win. I, I, it was more the the link with well Gareth Bale to Tottenham, which seems like it's closing in. Is it well, going to make? Spurs less flaccid. I mean, is it going to go ahead? Is it a loan? Is it permanent? Uh, can they afford? I mean, I'm sure they can afford it, but will Daniel Levy dig deep into his pockets to cover a 600 grand a week player? Will he pay the loan fees that's probably upwards of maybe 20, 30 million for the year? Um, it's it's dependent on a lot of things here, but I mean, I, I've, I've had Chris. Uh, one of our Spurs mates texted me all day saying he's absolutely giddy, he's so excited. Kane, Bale, Son up top for for Tottenham. But um, I, I question again whether it's going to happen. I, If I was a Spurs fan, I would definitely question my state of arousal at reading that news. I'm not saying there's anything get wrong with Gareth Bale per se. You know, he's a reasonably attractive man and a reasonably good footballer. Um, I just, I just question maybe his work ethic. Again, not the golf narrative here, but obviously there's been a narrative that's been, for, you know, forged by Real Madrid, whereby they're saying that he's, you know, ill-disciplined, ill, you know, he's got his mind elsewhere, he's distracted. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying any of those things are true, but obviously he's got to come in, and there's an expectation now, whereby he, if if he does move, that he's got to. You know, live up to it. Well, there's an expectation that he is still a world-class player and a superstar. He, I mean, although he's not in the realms of um, Ronaldo, Messi, Neymar, etc., but he is up there with probably one of the best talents in the world still. Mm. Now, there is still an ex- a very, very high expectation still on his uh, that will weigh on his shoulders. Uh, when he comes, if he comes to Tottenham, 
that people will expect him to come in and hit the ground running. He's been at Tottenham before. He doesn't need to settle. Um, in terms of his professionalism, to be completely honest with you, if I was in the same position as him, I've done absolutely nothing wrong. I've scored in Champions League finals. Every time I come on, I give 100%. I score goals. I still assist. And if Zinedine Zidane was still going, no, mate, sorry, you're going to be on the bench. You're not even going to be in the match day squad today just because I don't like you. Then ultimately, I'd probably still have, I'd, I'd, I'd have the same mentality. Or if, if he's not going to pick me, then what's the point in trying? Are you trying to just say that this is workplace bullying and that he should very much go to HR and demand justice? I'm sure they will probably take, tell him to take a running jump. But, <laughs> uh, I mean, in, in any normal workplace, I mean, I, I would probably recommend that someone does that. At least seek legal advice. Um, I mean, he tried to get out last year. He, there was an offer on the table for him to go to China. Real Madrid stood in his way and then effectively didn't play him all season. Yeah, I mean, it turns out that maybe moving to China last season may well have been the right decision in retrospect. The power of foresight, you know. Well, I was going to say, and hindsight is a wonderful thing. Um, but no one was to know that some fucking stupid disease called COVID was going to come along. <laughs> but... I, I, I would take him in a heartbeat. I think if Daniel Levy's looking at it, do you put him on a potentially a two or three year deal? You you can probably pick him up for relatively cheap for a player of his quality. I would probably, you can probably pick him up for what? 40, 50 million? I would imagine. Um, if you then front load his contract and you don't want to pay him more than sort of 250, 300 grand a week because that's all Harry Kane, our favourite son is on then you can easily front-load the contract. <laughs> and ultimately, still put him on the same 250 to 300 grand a week that Kane's on. Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what happens. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how, hard it, how excited I'd be uh, to go and play for a Jose Mourinho team. But, you know, he's, he's an opportunity to rebuild his career in a place that he's loved. The training ground also has a putting green at the front, apparently. So, you know, it's ticking all the boxes. On all or nothing. Uh, I, I will level with you here. I have not seen a single minute of all or nothing yet. Um, no. I, which I realise is probably quite controversial for a football fan. But I yeah. do quite regularly forget that Amazon Prime is a thing. Apart from when you're ordering, you know, spoons. You know, and uh, it, it, and whatever you need. Yeah, yeah, it, it it genuinely passes me, you know, genuinely passes me by. So one day, maybe ten years from now, I sit there and think, shit, there was a there was a Spurs documentary, you know. Well, I I would strongly recommend that you go on and you watch all of the all or nothings. Have you seen the one with the Michigan, uh, Michigan State? I've seen I've seen all the other ones. I gave up with the City one because, frankly, a narrative where losing to Palace, what like one 0 whatever it was, that is that is a disaster. It's a season disaster where they set a record points total. Well, to so fair, I checked out about that point and didn't come back to that. So yeah, Spurs one's very good. Although they didn't really concentrate on the start of the season. Literally, they had about five minutes at the start for Poch, and then basically I can't imagine why J.K. Because whose box office 
Jose's box office. Of course he is. Exactly. <clears throat> Tell them. Why, why do you think Amazon, Amazon, you know, much like Derby and Rooney and his wages being paid by bet three, whichever betting company is, is, is responsible, I wouldn't mind betting that a fairly substantial amount of Jose's first year's wages are probably paid for indirectly by Amazon. Yep, probably. I'm but not suggesting anything. With buying the club as well. Okay. Amazon are linked with buying the club. <laughs> of course. Really? Yep. Did you read that in the sun? Nope. Another red top? Nope. Sky Sports News? Did you make it up? Nope. <laughs> I'll, find, I'll find it out. There's no... <laughs> there's there's been links not just because of the documentary but a couple of links there's there was a um effectively they've Spurs have recently appointed someone to the board and this that same individual has been appointed to boards of companies that amazon have later acquired or something those lines so there's there's a couple of conspiracy theories and to be fair it doesn't surprise me at all green shoots my friend green shoots yeah. well if we wrap what we do is we'll go for a very quick break and when we come back we will probably have something else to talk about if not we're going to have you know probably 15 minutes of silence so <laughs> and we'll go something at the end okay <laughs> back in two minutes All right, people, welcome back. And so we're going to quickly hop over to France, which this pod very rarely does, but mainly because we have a resident Ren fan on our, you know, in, in, in our midst. Yep. Ren are at top of the league. PSG are, uh, are looking a little bit ropey with two defeats from two. Uh, one of defeats in Marseille, which was marred by, well, racism and fighting, really. But I guess maybe we want to focus a little bit more on Ren because I assume that JK has seen every single minute of Ren that he could. So, what, what's your take, JK? Had a good game of the weekend. It was on BT Sport, 1-4-2. Um, very, very good game. We're playing excellent football at the minute. And, and I must say, the reason why I'm a Ren fan, for those that don't know, I'm half French, half English. So... The English side of me supports Huddersfield and the French side of me supports Ren. Um, <clears throat> honestly, Torture very... for both. What's that? Torture for both. Well, I'll tell you what, it's torture for being a Huddersfield fan right now, but an absolute pleasure being a Ren fan. Playing some brilliant football. Um, the best, and we, we, we finished in our highest league position in our history last year. We finished third in the league. We're in the Champions League this year. So ultimately, now we're top of the league with PSG losing two from their first three games, I think. Um, ultimately, we're in a very, very good position. And Leon lost last night as well. So, all in all, very positive. Really, really positive. And hoping we at least get a really good draw in the Champions League, because otherwise that would be crap. Well, at present, you won't be able to go to those games anyway. So Disappointing. If we get an English team and the game is on the last group stage week, 
I think, which is the 8th of December. I've got very, very slim hopes that they might let fans in at that point. <laughs> it's a very nice segue, if you're ready, because, I mean, as as many of us will be aware, that obviously there are certain... Um, there are certain uh, leagues around the world that are now admitting small percentages of fans into their ground. But due to the sudden spike in, I say sudden spike in COVID, yeah, the, the impending second lockdown has kind of uh, put paid to, to fans in stadiums, at least in the short term, at Football League and Premier League level. At non-league, we can still do that and that's not a problem. But the, well, the, the Football League have... Uh, well, today actually presented their case to the government with regards to admitting fans to stadiums because they're saying that it is kind of mission critical at this point and you know clubs clubs future existence uh, relies on getting fans back into stadiums by October. But I guess I really, you know, obviously we're, we're talking about this and we've, neither of us have been able to, well, I was unable to visit the, the Brighton friendly behind you know, the, the one with limited fans. Um, so we, yeah, the only frame of reference we have is non-league football at the moment, of which JK is very well experienced as the the marketing director of Horsham FC. He's also been involved marketing manager, commercial manager, commercial manager. Sorry, it's important to get the technical terms right. So I wouldn't put me as head of marketing. It's it's important to get the technical terms right because you know I don't want to be dragged over hot coals for this. But as a result, as a result, you've also been involved with some of the, you know um, implementing some of the social distancing measures and things like that. So I think maybe it's a good idea just to give you know a couple of minutes about your your experiences and and what it's been like so far. Yeah, I mean, if, well, firstly I'll talk about Horsham, then we'll move on to the the pilots that they're going to stage within the football league. But ultimately, what my one of my roles at, at Horsham is I'm, I'm on the the committee. Um, so I assist in um, uh, match day stewarding, match day duties, whatever it may be. Ultimately, the um, uh, the feedback that we've had from clubs that have, have come to visit us, because we've held now three pilot events, um, two of which were a maximum of 300 fans or just under, which is 15% of our capacity. And the one on, Dor- on, uh, on Saturday just gone was against uh, Dorking at home which we increased our capacity to third, the maximum of 30% of our capacity, which was just under 600. So we had about 450 fans in, I believe, on uh, on Saturday. Went really, really well. And ultimately, it's, it's a case of constant cleaning, constant monitoring, ensuring social, social distancing. Um, and the, the amount of people that I spoke to on, on the games that I've been to now, um, it, they're just so happy that football's back. Um, now, one of the stupid rules that the government have put in place is <clears throat> fans are only allowed, are permitted back in stadiums for what they call steps three down. So we are step three. So we were permitted to allow 15 or 30%, 15% as a pilot, 30% now. Uh, now we're happy with, with how the, the pilots went. But ultimately, we, played, we were due to play at Dorking on Saturday. Dorking are in the, in the league above us and are not permitted to allow fans to enter into their stadium, regardless of whether it's a friendly or a competitive game. So the game was then shifted to Horsham, 
where we 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 had a mutual agreement with them um and we said that we would share some of the profits of the game but ultimately <clears throat> the game was moved to Horsham just because we could accommodate fans now that's not to say that Dorking could not have accommodated 600 fans in their ground they could easily have done so but ultimately there is a rule in place that only steps through and below are allowed this 30 percent of fans which for me is just makes absolutely no sense you could allow and i'm glad they're now doing it with the english football league you can allow 600 fans into old trafford you could allow 10,000 fans into old trafford and still have social distancing um so it's yeah it, it, it there's a there's a lot of rules in place at the moment that um that don't make an awful lot of sense. And I'm glad that we're seeing pilots come back with up to a thousand fans in the in the football league. But ultimately clubs in the in the English football league cannot sustain crowds of one thousand fans. Um, you might be okay with a uh, a Yeovil, you might be okay with a um, a Grimsby with a Stevenage, but ultimately if you go to a Derby County or Middlesbrough or Sunderland that have 40, 50,000 seater stadiums, you're not going to be able to sustain 1,000 fans. So we need to try and understand a way. And I recognize there are a lot of clubs that are putting in place <clears throat> commercial measures to, to generate revenue behind the scenes, whether that's through live revenue streaming, whether that's through commentary, et cetera. But ultimately, we need to. I, I understand that there is a, an element of a, a safe return for football. But ultimately, we need to get there faster because there are a lot of clubs. We saw Macclesfield today have been given a winding up order um, because they're in, I think, they can't pay debts of about half a million. So we need to find a, a, a very happy medium very quickly in order to get fans in across the country. I, I guess it's worth pointing out again, maybe perhaps to more and more international listeners, if we have any, that the I guess the football pyramid, the English football pyramid, is is unique in that you know, clubs all the way down the pyramid are, are well supported with, with tens of thousands of fans that show up every week and, and back their club. You know, the Wolfstone Raider is famous for shouting, you've got no fans. But in many cases around the country, that is simply not the case. And there's definitely a market for, you know, you know as, you, as you roughly said, fans want to get back into stadiums. Now, you know, I, I'm in a position where if I can't go and watch Brighton, I would go and watch non-league or lower league football because, as much as anything, I understand the importance that the these clubs are run on on very tight margins. You know, profit and attendance and and uh, contributing to the club's coffers is is incredibly important, and it's the only way the only way that they survive is yeah all of those things combined. It's it's match day tickets. It's, it's buying a pint, it's, it's buying food, programme, you know, in, engaging with the club at a, a, a community level. And I think that is the difference between, you know, non-league or lower league club and Premier League conglomerates. You know, yeah, as much as the good that they do in the community, their connection with the fans is not quite the same as, as what some of those clubs are. And I, I think as well, I've got to mention, uh, and I'm not going to call any club, because I was I didn't experience it firsthand, but some of the feedback that we had uh, of some of the pre-season friendlies that we played away, there are some clubs that don't help the situation. There, there was there was some uh, games that we played where measures, uh, if any, that were put in place were completely inadequate. Cleaning was poor. 
Um, social distancing wasn't monitored. Um, so I think I think we need support, not just from fans here, but we need support from clubs to ensure because it, it only takes one issue. It takes one club. It takes uh, it takes one fan to catch COVID nineteen, and then does, what does it? What happens is a whole stadium have to self isolate because one person attended a game has a, has, has symptoms. Well, this is the same as as pubs and everywhere else, and I mean this is this is the issue that this this country is having to deal with at the moment. You know, the the government and and businesses are having to make choices that I suppose they really don't don't want to have to make. You know, at the moment, you know, um, it's not just football here. You know, other sports are directly affected about this. Uh, you know, throughout the summer, cricket has been played without fans. Um, as as has rugby and and other sports, you know, and and a lot of these these smaller clubs are you know match day revenues. What what makes them tick? You know, a, a sponsor on a shirt. The you know that sponsor's not on telly, not getting the exposure. That's less money in the club's pocket because yeah. that will be coming out. That will be coming out of the bill that you know the the payment they'll be getting, and no one wins. Well, no, no, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. No one's winning. I mean, ultimately, everyone who probably would have bought Sky Sports before has already got it. So they're not Sky Sports is not getting any more revenue. They're probably actually getting less because people are losing jobs. They can't afford to keep up with their payments on the Sky bills. So ultimately, there's there's none of this money trickling down the football pyramid, and apparently, clubs are struggling as well. It's not just Championship League One and, and non-league. Well, I think that might be quite a depressing note to end it on. You know, football is still on, mind you. Second lockdown hasn't quite killed that yet. Positive note. It is worth noting that JKM, we're going to plug another podcast here whilst we're at it. Um, it's worth noting that JK and myself are also uh, participating in a brand new podcast about non league football, no less, called the Premier Non League Podcast. Uh, the the first episode is out now. We'll uh, we'll put a link somewhere on on social medias for for people to check it out. There's a, a good good friend of mine on there as well, and a couple of boys that we've uh, we've met fairly recently. Uh, we're quite excited about it, and they're quite excited about it too. So at the moment, we're going to be continuing with with this podcast with Kyle when um, you know whenever he's he's free and available, and much the same goes for us as well as doing this podcast as well. So. Exciting time, gang! Exciting time, and Absolutely. I guess as and I guess as always, it's that usual plug, isn't it? You know, um, you know, if you like what you're hearing, you know, like, share, subscribe, put it out there. We will take any promotion, you know. However, however, however you see fit, um, yeah. I hope that everyone is still enjoying our dulcet tones. Very dulcet. <laughs> All right, then, until next week, I guess it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Have a good one, guys. Bye.